Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Failure Effect, a show about reclaiming the word failure and turning it into success. This week, we're speaking to a lady who has seen a lot in her very short life. She may argue about how short that life has been. Um, but you know what? Let me not tell her story for her. Let's uh, allow her to speak for herself. So welcome to The Failure Effect, Betty Olo Anderson. How are you doing? I'm fine where you are. Happy mm -hmm. to be here. All right. Excellent. Yeah. We're very, very happy mm -hmm. to have you here. Mm -hmm. And your story was fascinating to me the very first time that I heard it because you've accomplished so much. Like you sit on boards, you've gotten all of these high profile jobs, but you never finished university, did you? I mean, you actually, did, you, did you go to university? Actually, I did not. Uh -huh. I'm still on my way there. Uh-huh. But I have the university of experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Excellent. So let's talk about how you acquired that that experience that we're about to talk about. Because you have a context um, in which you came from and a reason why you didn't head over to university. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your childhood, how you grew up, you know, where you grew up and the circumstances that led to where you are today. So um, I was born uh, somewhere in the 70s, the early 70s. I'm not shy about my age. I was born in 1971. Mm -hmm. On the 15th of February, bang, in the middle of the month, mm -hmm. the second child of uh, Francis and Nancy Olo. I have an older sister, Esther, and a younger brother, Albert. So classic middle child. Uh, growing up those days was quite fun. Um, I can say we grew up in Madaraka, um, and uh, which was kind of middle class in those days. I mean, things were organized. City council flats, but you can't believe it. Um, we had, things were working then. It was a different time when even our garbage was collected by the city council. Our light bulbs, street lights were, fill, were, were changed by the city council. All you had to do was call. We had phone booths. Anyway, at that time, I went to a primary school called Madaraka Primary School, which was the, the school in the estate. Pretty good education, up uh, to standard seven. So just missed the eight for four. I don't right. know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think it's a good thing. <laughs> I think it's a good thing Yeah, too. so pretty good system, 763. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to Limurugos. First of all, I, I, I didn't, my father died when I was in standard seven. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, my father died on 18th of February, just after my 12th birthday. And that's the time we were doing. In those days, you had to do pre-morks to get your index number. And then the morks were in the second term. And then standard seven exam CPE were somewhere in November. But at the time we were doing the pre-morks, I had to go to Busia to bury my father. So my index wasn't the best. But well, I still got, I think it was 27 points out of 36. Mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, was called to Ngara Girls. <laughs> yes. That's where I went to high school. So yeah, yay. I went to Ngara Girls. <laughs> and in those days we had, um, you you went in your home clothes because the uniforms were not ready. They oh. took the measurements at the school and everything. Anyway, met a couple of friends in Ngara Girls. But then just after I got my uniform, I got called to the great Lemuru Girls School. Wow. Chokes. Mm -hmm which is celebrating 100 years mm -hmm. uh, this year. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, uh, so from there, 1984, I was in the Girls, up to 1987. High school was good. Lots of values learned in that great school. Mm -hmm. Lots of things that I still continue to do, like music and and my Anglican faith that came from Lemuru Girls. Um, 
And it also taught me how to be confident, how to speak well, how to speak good English, <laughs> and uh, how to articulate myself depending on the audience. Uh, that that all I learned from the Muru girls. From this shy, uh, classic middle child girl, when I left Limuru, I was a different person. And I thank God for that education. So after high school came, yeah, you know, those days we had to wait for two, three months before our results came out. It's not like these days. Uh -huh. So you had like two months to, you know, uh, faff around, you know, just, uh, you know, going visiting. We used to have places in town. Uh -huh. uh, Strikes restaurant. I don't know whether you remember Strikes <laughs> and Wimpy. There was no Nando's. In those days, you had to go to town to get chips. Um, it was quite a different time. And of course, there was the partying side. There was uh, Carnival, which used to call the Vuras. Uh -huh. And there was Vijon, Vijons, uh -huh. Bubbles. And that was really my thing after Form 4. Um, my old levels while waiting for exams, just, you know, getting up to no good. Uh, and um, when my results came, I didn't do very well. Um, for whatever reason. I, and I was very disappointed. I could see the disappointed disappointment in my mom and being a single mom I think one of the things that you always worry about as a child is you know does she have enough you know does she can she accommodate us I mean you know the things that we want we of course we wanted to do everything everybody else was doing but my mom did spoil us I mean she mm -hmm. would go out of her way to make sure we, she provided for us right so came decision time, you know, after all levels, what do you do? Uh, you go to college or uh, do you want to repeat? And I was like, repeating is not an option um, because I have to get this job and, and, and start helping around the family, you know. So the easiest way was to go to college, to typing school, secretarial school. Those days we used to call it secretarial schools. And it was typing and it was shorthand and um, English, uh, business English. Um, yeah, and just more fun times, of course, mm -hmm. uh, being in college. And I went to, um, first I went to Cambridge, uh, Secretary College, which was where Visions used to be. <laughs> and then I moved to Valley Business School uh, in Kilimani. That's somewhere in Kilimani, yes. Um, made also great friends there. Some we were in school with in Limuru, at Limuru. Um, Estendetti, Caroline Wilinge, those were my friends in college. And um, immediately after that, started working. <clears throat> so what was your first job when you started working? Where, where did you end up? Um, my first job, I remember getting home and I'd done many applications. In those days, you'd write applications by hand. Yes. And preferably, <laughs> uh, mom would say, you have to take it yourself. Because, uh -huh. you know, she would, you know, talk to a friend, okay, my daughter is looking for a job. Let, let her come and... and, and, and uh, bring a letter, so you'd have to write by hand. So you write, there's no erase, there's, you could write it 10 times, uh -huh. yeah? Anyway, so um, my first job, I had applied for a typist job at Cooper Motors uh -huh. Limited, which was at, uh, CMC was at uh, Bunyala Road. No, not Bunyala Road, Lusaka Road, down Lusaka Road. And uh, one day my mom comes home and she says, you've gotten a job. I said, well, wow. So. Because CMC and Madaraka were walking distance. Mm -hmm. I could walk to work, I could walk back. And um, she said, it's in Kisumu. I said, mom, there's no way. How? <laughs> oh, my goodness. How am I going to go to Kisumu? I mean, you know, the, 
I don't know. I've never interacted that well with Luos and Indians. I don't know. You know, I was, you know, I was scared. I was probably 20 years old. Um, but there I was into our Pessy. Mm-hmm. Flights were not the thing those days. Mm-hmm. Jumped into our Pessy. Do you know what our Pessy is? <clears throat> Absolutely. The five, the four fives or five or four. Yes. Yeah. With the station mm-hmm. wagon that yes. could sit nine people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So jumped into a Pessy and there I was. Yeah. In Kisumu, not big lights, not big city, big lights, but <laughs> oh, back in the day, yeah. <laughs> smaller city. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, and around this time, you got into a relationship. No, no, not mm-hmm. really. Okay. Not, not really. At this time, we were just hanging out. There okay. was not, not in any relationship. No, okay. All right. I was really now into the working space, so mm-hmm. uh, not thinking in that in those lines. No. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. fine. So you end up in Kisumu. Yeah. Um, your what were you doing exactly? Selling cars, fixing cars? No, no, no. I was a typist. Remember, right. I'd gone to secretarial college. Yes. A typist. There's uh-huh. a thing called I used to send telex. Do you know what a telex machine is? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we would send telex, and I remember, yeah, just operating the phone. Uh-huh. Uh, calling different branches, yeah. uh, filing invoices, um, getting invoices ready for customers. Just your general, you know, a typist kind of little admin uh, experience. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember in those days, I used to come home every Friday for Simbangoma. Do you know what Simbangoma is? Uh, Betty, you know, <clears throat> you forget you and I are literally the same age. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'd come, yeah. we'd come home, you know. Fridays again by Wepesi. Yeah. And people would ask you, did you fly? Were you mm-hmm. at work today? I said I was at work. Okay, what time did you get here? I got here at seven, you know, because I live you leave at two, mm-hmm. five hours near Nairobi. There was no traffic, there was no, you know, it was easy to get Nairobi. Mm-hmm. So I used to fly with Wepesi every other Friday for Simbangoma. Right. From Kisumu. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, did you happen to come back to Nairobi after this? Yeah. Um, so Cooper Motors uh was a stint about six months. Mm-hmm. And then I was called to head office. There was mm-hmm. a vacancy. So I came to head office. Um, and within three months, I got another job at DT Dobi. Yeah. The Mercedes people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, worked for DT Dobi from that time. I would say this is about 1989 mm-hmm. or 1990, actually, up to around 92. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, DTW was working as customer service. I could look at any Mercedes and tell you who it belonged to because I was at the customer service desk for the Mercedes Benz. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I believe at this time you were known you were known as a, a rundo of people, I suppose, the Dobby girls, the DT Dobby girls. No, there no? was no such thing. Okay. We were just known as Betty, and uh, the other lady was called Sarah. I think I can't remember. The one uh-huh. was on the Nissan side. I was on the Mercedes side. Right. Nissan side, yeah. Okay. So we were just, you know, we were at the customer service desk. I'm sure it's changed now. Uh-huh. Um, but in those days, you would, you know, it was about, you know, typing the job card, um, making sure the customer is updated on to where the progress of, of the work on his car. Um, uh-huh. And then when they come into the reception, you know, calling the service advisor, saying, bring the car out. Uh-huh. It was very interesting because I started knowing about parts of cars and this uh now even is very is very relevant in my life right now mm-hmm. yes okay yeah <clears throat> all right so how how long did you work at diddy do before you know what you are if i go through each job that i yeah. <laughs> i went through yeah uh we would be here until tomorrow but mm-hmm. i i'll kind of summarize for you if you if if that's yes. okay yes 
So I worked at DTW until 1992, mm-hmm. where in those days, I think it was an election year. And then, you know, there was Kanu, there was YK92. Mm-hmm. Was it YK92? <laughs> yes. And there was all these Jirongo and Kanu elections. And I got a stint of working in the press office of uh, Kanu. Kanu, mm-hmm. not, Kanu, not YK92, but Kanu. Mm-hmm. So I worked for a guy called Salim Juma, very, yes. the late Salim Juma, yeah. um, sending out press releases. And there were a lot in those days, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a short stint, but very exciting. Like every two minutes, you're sending out a press release. Mm-hmm. And you know, coming from just typing a, 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 a job card and, and or typing a letter. Uh-huh. Now, this is something you have to kind of sit and understand what is being trying what what they try what the message is going out is and mm-hmm. um a different stint short but really good yeah and of course after Kanu won elections then we became jobless because it was just for the election period yes but you know the money was good short and sweet but uh yeah so after uh that's 92 i did a few you know short-term contract jobs not really any permanent ones uh but never lacked in in terms of anything to do from from that i think one of the the next uh, long term job i had was at the nairobi hilton mm-hmm. where i worked for the sales and banqueting manager um functions events mm-hmm. so planning events you know talking to clients getting suppliers looking at the meeting rooms um talking to the menu uh, uh, to the chef about the menu and I worked with my my cousin uh, Millie, who was then the first lady to be the assistant F and B manager at at Nairobi Hilton. Uh-huh. And um, another different kind of experience you can imagine. So from cars to to yeah uh, to politics yeah yeah <laughs> now in the hotel industry yes and um, worked there until about ninety seven, and and that now changed to what I'm currently doing. Okay. So I moved into the development world where yeah. I worked for a French NGO called uh, Action Contre la Faim, mm-hmm. Action Against Hunger, and, and was there working in the region office, which supported five countries, Burundi, Tanzania, Somalia, Ethiopia, and DRC. Mm-hmm. And uh, was there until 99 when uh, we were retrenched. Okay. Um, at this, I think I was 25 at this, or 26 when we were retrenched. When you were first retrenched. <laughs> yes. Now, okay, well, I think, and for me, this is the most important thing, is um, dealing with the energy around the retrenchment process. Because, as you can imagine, since COVID, mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, businesses around the world, not just in Kenya, have been hit very hard mm-hmm. by the tough economic times. Mm-hmm. And a lot of economies don't seem to be finding their footing too much. Kenya is currently going through a recession. On right. its own, so a lot of people are losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. So how did you handle it? Because I think there's a lesson there for people who are also going through the same thing. I think I think first of all that's that was a different time yeah right and 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 being a secretary or a PA or an, a, an assistant admin assistant mm-hmm. um, it, it cuts across you know different industries mm-hmm. so you know when I when I when we were informed that the region office of ACF was closing it was shocking and you know you don't know what to do you're still young 
I just moved out of home. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, now how am I going to pay rent? You know, these problems. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not supposed to be facing them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think what I did was really remain in touch with my colleagues at ACF and said, you know, if, if you need, you know, for me to come and file uh, accounts or help with the reporting to the donors, even if it's two days a week, I can come in. So really just keeping keeping in touch with my fellow colleagues or if you hear anything mm-hmm. that you think I can do, you know, I'm in your circles of, you know, country directors, I'm, I'm available. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, I went, I was retrenched, had a month of reflection. Yes. Because there's a lot, something else happening in my life at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, within a month, I was called back to go and close uh, the big project they had in Somaliland. Right. Now, remember Somaliland because that comes into play in my current situation. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, when I, while I was closing uh, these accounts, and again, one of the things uh, in that time, it also helps to be in touch with your friends or letting your friends know this is the situation. And because while I was closing the accounts for this project, I got an opportunity to go and work for Coca-Cola. Okay. Coca-Cola Africa, mm-hmm. because somebody was going on maternity leave. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then this started a series of of uh, sort of like was it temp jobs? So it was a temp. It was a temp uh, job, mm-hmm. but uh, I I worked in various. I wasn't a permanent uh, yeah. employee. I was contracted. Mm-hmm. So I ended up in Coca-Cola. This is Coca-Cola Northern Africa Division. Yeah. Uh, for those Coke alumni, they know KO, mm-hmm. Kenya office mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. of Coca-Cola was managing 39 countries in Africa. Wow. So you can imagine the exposure. The, yeah. I mean, Coke in those days was uh, one of the best employers. I'm not saying that it's not now, but it was a wonderful place to work. So I worked for the East Africa region manager, then I moved to, with my little French knowledge, mm-hmm. um, I moved to Middle East and Northern Africa, not North, Middle East and islands. So mm-hmm. working with countries like Comoros, Mauritius, La Réunion, uh, DRC, um, and this was operations, you know. And then I moved finally to division of operations before somebody in Atlanta decided to change the division and move the division from Nairobi to mm-hmm. Casablanca. Right. So then I was retrenched again. Again. Yes. Oh wow. How? What is it like when it happens a second time? Are you ready, or are you even less ready? I don't know. <laughs> I think you know. In this world, you you should be prepared for anything. Yeah. You know. Having been retrenched at ACF, where I was very confident I was going to, this is an NGO, I can work here until I'm 60. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, you know, something happens and you're, you're retrenched. So you start learning how to be on your toes, you okay. know. So there was, we were given, in those days, Coca-Cola was very good to us. So mm-hmm. there, was, there was, they even had an ambulance downstairs in case somebody uh, gets a, a bit... <laughs> I think yes, a lot of we uh, had a, Kenyan we had employers a, yeah. need to understand that. Yeah, we had a lot of care. Yeah, uh, by the company and how they manage the retrenchment. Because you can imagine the people who had worked there for twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, people who had never done a CV because their CV was in hard copy, yeah. typed. So now you know we had career talks. We had people coming to do psychometric testing. Mm-hmm. We had uh, you know um, recruitment companies coming to talk to us. And then, of course, you start, because you're dealing with suppliers as well, you tell them, now I don't have a job. Mm-hmm. So from Coke, I went to work for Monia International. Wow. Selling billboard space. Right. Yeah. 
You've done a lot. Uh, it's like, <laughs> and you know, as I talk, it's not something that I'm thinking about. It's uh -huh. just, I'm like, okay, actually, wow, I've worked in quite a number of different industries. Uh -huh. But um, yeah, so <clears throat> I went to work for Monia International and uh, they were a supplier of Coke. Right. So went, and I think the, the, the time I was doing my first sale, then another opportunity came up. Came up. Uh-huh. And this opportunity is linked to my previous experience working for ACF. Yes. So I moved to work for the European Union. Okay. Wow. The Somali Health Desk. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. How was that? I mean, okay, well, first of all, even before we get there, it's just you're doing all of this on the strength of recommendations from other jobs because, you know, I don't know how um, important it was back in the day that you at least have a first degree. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, how, how was that for you? I think I'm the kind of person when I'm given an opportunity, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I grab it and I, I do the best I can. Yeah. And, and absorb as much as I can. So you're telling me I type letters. Okay, what am I typing about? Mm -hmm. Okay, let me read what's this company about. So how do things work here? So you sort of get to learn what, what the, the business of the, of the, of, of, of the organization is. Mm -hmm. And in that learning, then you become also a champion of that business. Yeah. So wherever you are, you're talking about that business. Oh, okay, wow. So, you know, uh, people start seeing something, mm -hmm. you know, in mm -hmm. you. Um, so for me, it was by learning, mm -hmm. by, by really uh, getting into the business of things um, and, and uh, doing the best I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and again, when an opportunity comes, do we need do we have, can somebody volunteer to do this? Yeah, yeah, that would be you. Yeah, okay. So you know me from Rotary. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> that is indeed you. Yeah. Um, but then also once again, mm. because I'm pretty sure there are people out there who are having to deal with being retrenched once again, mm -hmm. and that is often the point where a lot of people feel like. The, the universe has called me a failure. Who mm. am I to exist beyond this, you know? Mm. So how do you get over that feeling? I think one of the things that I've learned is not to be defined by my job. Right. Yeah. Because I'm Betty Olo Anderson. Yes. It doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Whether I'm working for Coke, whether I'm working for UNFPA, whether I'm still Betty Olo, mm -hmm. and that's my brand. Yeah. So wherever I am, whether it's socially, um, doing my community service, uh, I still remain Betty Olo. So I shouldn't be defined by one part of Betty. Mm -hmm. Whether I'm singing in my church choir, I'm still Betty Olo. So I think the thing people need to learn how not to be defined by their, their jobs. Because when that is pulled out, then you kind of feel lost, right? Right. Yeah. And I suppose it also opens the doors, at least for yourself, psychologically, yeah. to other opportunities. Because exactly. Because you walk around thinking, all yeah. I am is a marketer, mm. and you will never see anything else that you could possibly do outside of marketing. So, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Mm. Okay. All right. So, how did you bounce back? Um, where were we again? <laughs> we were back in Somaliland. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I think... Um, we had moved, oh, yes, oh, yeah, we're at the European Union. Yes, yes. Somali Health yes, Sector Somali Coordination. Then. Yes. Worked for a wonderful guy called Dr. Imanov. And uh, we were coordinating the health sector of Somalia. Mm -hmm. Now, when I tell you coordinating, in those days, there was no government. Yeah. So it was kind of like uh, a, an office or a desk that would coordinate the health activities in Somalia. Mm -hmm. And by health, I mean everything from TB, malaria, HIV, 
wow. reproductive health, a bit of uh, gender-based violence, uh, uh, looking at uh, health system strengthening, mm -hmm. uh, laboratories, uh, mm -hmm. human resource for health. And when I went for the interview, I remember one of the, the, the practical was to sit in a meeting and to do a, a, be a rapporteur. Uh -huh. And you can imagine doctors, the acronyms. I'm telling you where you are. I, was, I went home, I was biting my nails. I was like, <laughs> how am I ever going to learn this? Yeah. But I did a pretty good job of it and I got the job. Uh -huh. And um, I remember telling my boss at the time, Dr. Iman, I was like, how will I ever know these things? Uh -huh. And he says that, the more you listen, the more, the more you listen and more and get with and read and get interested, the more you will be an expert. Uh -huh. And um, that was in 2001, uh, just after millennium. And I, I worked for Dr. Imanol up to 2004. Uh -huh. And coordinating the health sector of Somalia means you're working with the government, you're working with the donors, yeah. you're working with the UN, you're working with numerous NGOs. Uh -huh. And uh, to some extent, people living with whatever disease, um, like <clears throat> HIV, uh -huh. um, and you know, you're, you're facilitating all these committees and working groups and putting together uh, reports which have to go to the donors, sitting the donors, following on action points. Very, that role really builds who I am today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Wow. So, what? Where did you take? Um, because you're not there right now. Right. No. So something must have happened in the interim between then and now. I was poached. Ah. <laughs> so it excellent. wasn't a retrenchment. Uh-huh. Well, um, in 2002, 2003, uh, 2002, the Global Fund uh, was formed to fight against AIDS, TB, and malaria. Yeah. And looking at Somalia, you can imagine a country at that time, not now, now it's quite developed, at that time, are trying to put a proposal to, to address these issues there. You can imagine with that yeah. kind of context, uh, yeah. uh, not very many structures, structured a decentralized government. Uh -huh. So trying to look at um, how do we get together? So we had all these committees and we had something called the Health Sector Committee. Yeah. And we decided let's try and apply and we did the, the proposal and we applied for malaria and we got it, we applied for TB and we got it. Now while we were discussing about the TB, uh, one of the organizations approached me and said, you know, if we win the TV grant, we would like you to come and work for it uh, as a senior program um, manager for it mm -hmm. um, to manage the whole grant uh, for, the, for, for the organization. It was World Vision. Right. And for sure they did win. And uh, December 2020, 20, 20, 2004, I joined World Vision. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So in all of this time, how is your personal life doing? Busy. Uh-huh. Um, okay, not so busy. There's a balance because now I've really immersed myself into this development world where, you know, I'm, I'm really getting interested in understanding how TB and malaria are connected, how reproductive health is connected to HIV, mm -hmm. uh, pregnant women, you know, that kind of thing. So I've really immersed myself in my work. Um, but I still, you know, um, had a little of a social life. Uh -huh. um, I was a hasher. Do you remember the hashers? Yes. Nairobi hasher. Yes. yes. So I used to run on Mondays. Uh -huh. um, so that was that. That was a bit of my social life. Uh -huh. I was very active in terms of uh, in the rugby paternity, sitting in various committees, looking at women's rugby. I remember we started a, a rugby, a small rugby team at Kenya Harlequins called the Queens Queens. Uh -huh. And uh, got into a project of building them the the, the uh, making sure that they had a changing rooms. Yeah, 
um, then uh, I also got into a bit of uh, leadership mm-hmm. and, and got onto the board of Impala Club. Mm-hmm. And we really turned around the club from what it was then. We built a gym. We built a poolside uh, restaurant. Okay, not now, now I know there are issues, but mm-hmm. in those days we'd really built that club. Mm-hmm. So then my leadership skills started jamokaying. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I was quite happy to serve. So a bit of service again. Um, personal life, you mean what? You know, uh, relationships, because we do, I mean, one of the things that we know about you, I think, is about your marriage, you know, um, which was a lovely one by mm. all accounts. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll get to that in a mm. bit. Mm. Um, but before that, mm-hmm. what was happening? So, uh, you know, I can, can I go back a little bit and, yes. and, and talk about that part of my life yes. a little bit? Mm-hmm. I'll be as uh, quick as I can. Okay. <laughs> so... High school days, you know, the usual high school letters. I remember there was uh, some boy in Lenana, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, after high school, um, you know, the group thing, not really serious relationships, just somebody you go to the movies with, somebody you go to the hang with. Um, is it still called the hang? Yes, yeah. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called the dunda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody who you would dunda with in those mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, maybe when I was at uh, ACF, I met uh, somebody and we did get engaged. Mm-hmm. We did get engaged, um, but it didn't end well. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. It didn't end well and mm-hmm. I became a little bit jaded about relationships because we were engaged to be married. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, nothing really serious until mm-hmm. I was 30, 33. I met yeah. somebody mm-hmm. and he worked out of the country mm-hmm. and we dated for almost 14 years. 14 years yeah, dating. Yeah. Dating. Okay. But by dating, meaning that now when I think about it, is that when he was in town, yeah. we were together. Yeah. When he was <laughs> away, he was working. Okay. And so was I. Was he abroad, like off, off the continent or? No, no, within the continent, but out of Kenya. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, I guess it was convenient for both of us because I'm also now going to Somalia, you know, traveling around. I'm, I'm so immersed in my work. But also... I must admit that there were some family obligations that just didn't have allow me any time to to think about um like dating or yeah yeah, yeah. okay so um yeah we dated for a long time mm-hmm. yeah we were in this relationship for a while okay um 14 years later i mean it sounds practically like a marriage so mm-hmm. there there must be a reason why this is not um the husband that you have famously talked about you know yeah I think as you grow older, and I think at this point I was in my 40s, you start growing into yourself. Mm -hmm. And self was not this person who wanted to be in a message of WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. Because I remember it was a WhatsApp, looking at the WhatsApp, and I was like, but I want the person here, you know? But also I think a lot of self-reflection and realizing, okay, I don't want to be in this space. And I don't want this person to be also to be unhappy in that in the same space. So mm-hmm. 
the best way is to just, you know, separate. And we amicably okay. uh, separated. Okay. In, uh, I think it was September 2014. Okay. I remember the day, yeah. All right. Yeah. So would it be fair to say that you found real love, real, actual, genuine, sustain, sustainable love mm. um, at what a lot of people would say is a fairly advanced stage? There's a reason why I'm asking about, you know, fairly advanced, because there's this myth that once a woman hits 35 or mm. 34, then love is out of bounds for her. You know, you've hit this fictional thing called the wall, you know. So would it be fair to say that about your experience? You've already said it. It's a myth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because love doesn't know any age. Yeah. I, uh, you can find love anywhere, anywhere, you know. For as long as, my, my thinking is for as long as your heart is open, mm -hmm. you know. Sometimes we're so jaded and, you know, by past experiences. But here was, if I tell you my past experiences in my relationship, some are not so nice. But yeah. um, I, I believe in love and I believe in companionship. And, and you know, I wasn't even really looking because, yeah. and I was very confident uncomfortable in my space to actually let this other relationship go mm. before I started dating. I mean, it was two years before I started dating my husband. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How did you meet your husband? Oh my that God, that's a story. A... Yes. <laughs> you, you've not watched The Engage? I have. I have, <laughs> but I'd like you to tell it to us again. So, um, one Sunday afternoon, very comfortable in my space. I usually go to church. At the time, I used to go to All Saints Cathedral. Um, you know how you have a routine, you know, drive to the, fuel the car, get water, drinking water for the week. So I usually used to fuel my car, I still do, at the Shell, uh, you know, the Sean Gaston on James uh -huh. Kishuru Road. Yes. Yeah. And um, I thought, let me get into the convenience store and get a pie. And they have a nice uh, deli inside there. And so I went and ordered the pie and I picked my water and went back to the pie station to pick my pie. Uh -huh. And the lady asked me on the, on the, the lady on the counter asked me, can I help you? And I said, no, you've already helped me. I'm just waiting for my pie, thank you. And my pie came and I went and paid for my water and I left. Uh -huh. Now when I left, as I was, I opened the door of my car and put my things inside, got into my car, but you know when you have one foot still outside? Yeah. This guy walks up to me and says, hey, so I was like, hey. And then he says, um, no, you're very attractive. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> it's a Sunday afternoon. Come on, really? Uh -huh. And he said, I watched you in the shop. And you were you spoke so well. You were very articulate to the lady behind the counter. It's very rare to get people who speak like that. And I said, what? And he said, my name is Mike, and I'd really like to buy coffee. You know, that was it. And I'm like, how can somebody just walk up to me and talk to me on a Sunday? Usually, because people say sometimes I look very serious. Um, it would take somebody introducing the guy, guy to me then, or a few doubles later or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy just walked, the com he confidently uh -huh. walked up to me and said, hey, <laughs> no, no cheesy opening lines. He just said what he saw. Mm -hmm. I was like, who's this guy? But I kind of knew who he was because mm -hmm. he was somebody we all knew yeah. uh, back in the day. And I was like, this is Mike Anderson. And, um, and that's how we met. And he took my number, um, rather flashed me so that he makes sure he, he has the right number and started texting me, SMS, not WhatsApp. 
mm-hmm. words and Mike was very articulate with English even when he wrote and when he you know and started calling me good morning calls good night calls uh, asking me how I am you know really refreshing mm-hmm. like really old school not sup Uh, where yeah. you at? No, 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 no. <laughs> very, very, very intentional texting and communicating to me of how he felt about me. Right. Yeah. I think the reason why I asked you to um, uh, tell us the story again mm. is not only do women get attacked with this wall myth, But we're also told you have to go to specific places to meet the man of your dreams. It needs to be a church or it mm. needs to be, you know, um, uh, the club or whatever it is. But it, it is possible to find love exactly where you are, whatever state you're exactly, in. Exactly. Exactly yeah. my point where you are. You mm-hmm. you have to open your heart. And yeah. and somebody said to me something about um, not not inside voice, but, you know, sometimes we have to kind of be soft, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be a little bit girly. Yeah. Um, women who are who grow older become kind of, you know, I don't know whether because of life circumstances, I'm not saying we become hardened, but we just become unaware of, of that we're still girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes may, may make men shy away. Women are very strong. Yeah. Uh, my male friends tell me, hey, you women, you know, because we are very strong. Yeah. Um, so it might it might uh uh put somebody off mm-hmm. i'm not sure that i was soft maybe because i was wearing my sunday dress from church or i was looking holy mm-hmm. but yeah for sure later on when i married mike he was like man you're a tough cookie <laughs> so <laughs> but you're still so mushy inside yeah. so you know just learning to lean on that softness as well mm-hmm. yeah Okay, mm. so um, we're getting to uh, the end of this session, so I'm just going to run through a few mm. things. Um, you had a happy marriage. How long were you married? I uh, was married for one and a half years. One and a half years. Mm. And then what happened? So uh, when I met Mike, I think on our third date, second or third date, he told me that he had been diagnosed with early signs of Parkinson's. Okay. And um, to me, it didn't matter. And uh, we took the journey together. We had a wonderful relationship before even we got married. Mm-hmm. We had a wonderful marriage, even up to when he got uh, really sick. Mm-hmm. And I think our love for each other is what kept him, um, you know, uh, kept him well and 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 cheerful through the journey and until uh, the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know yeah he was he was tough till the end he was strong till the end and right. i think it's because of the love we had each other we had yeah. jokes about parkinsons he never refused to take his medication yeah he was very strong and i think it's just because i was strong enough for me so i think the way when i look at it i look at uh, there's a reason why i met mike when i did mm-hmm. and what i god put us in that place mm-hmm. because he knew that mike needed to be loved mm-hmm. in a special way at At, during his life. Yeah. And I think it came at the right time. That's how I want to look at it. Okay. Yeah. Which is excellent. So um, it's been a while. Now, this is the bit that we um, have not heard yet because yeah. um, at the time, yeah. uh, your husband's illness was alive and car- it was it was still a present issue. Mm. So what's it been like ever since with the healing journey? It's strictly, this is not classified as a failure. Neither of you failed, but it yeah. is worth discussing how you have mourned and recovered mm. and moved forward 
Um, I can say grief is a journey. Yeah. Uh, it never ends. Uh, there are waves. Uh, but you have to be... What's helped me is to be self-aware. I mean, mm. I reflect a lot after a week. I'm like, okay, so how am I feeling? How has my week been? I journal and I, um, you know, what was the trigger for me being so sad? Mm -hmm. And then once you identify those triggers, you somehow learn how to start coping with the triggers and it gets easier. It never ends, but it, I can guess, I can say it gets easier. Um, I want to remember Mike, you know, the happy day, happier as a, you know, not the sickness, yeah. but the Mike I, you know, I fell in love with. Mm -hmm. uh, I was still in love with him even when he was sick, but I tried to focus on the on the good, you mm -hmm. know. So I, I met a friend of mine, her mom told me, her mom is a widow, and she told me the three words, and these three words I always tell anyone who's grieving, accept, adjust, advance. Uh -huh. And reflecting on those three words every so often helps because you have to look at where am I? Have I accepted? Am I advancing? Or you don't even, sometimes you realize, oh, yes, this means I have advanced. Um, but those three words really uh, help me. And sometimes it's a yo-yo. I kind of be at advanced mood and then I, something triggers and I'm like, uh, like Mike is really gone, mm -hmm. you know? But in a lighter way. Mm -hmm. um, so those, it's been interesting I remember recently somebody called me Mike's widow and I got so cross and I was like, no, I'm not Mike's widow. I'm yeah. Mike's wife, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not widow, yeah. or, or the late Mike's wife. Because yeah. um, those are some of the triggers, you know, when you're taking a form and you have to take widow, then you realize, okay, that reminds you, oh, yes, okay. But I'm still Betty, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. doesn't stop me from being Betty alone. So it's been quite a journey um, in, in terms of even ad getting advances from people, or from all corners. In fact, the corners that you least expect, you're like, okay, seriously? But, um, you know, everything has to be done with grace. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, okay. you move on. Yeah. Well, this mm. is excellent. I mean, your your life is, is a series of exciting, unexpected opportunities, I would say, you know. So if mm. you had one word for someone who is struggling to find their authentic self so that they can navigate the challenges, you know, that are presented, most especially in the workplace, what would mm. you say to them? I would say absorb. Mm -hmm. Absorb as much as you can. Do the best you can with every, take every opportunity to do the best you can. Whatever's given, opportunity is given to you, don't take it for granted. Grab it, run with it, try and thrive in it, learn don't just sit and do your daily tasks. Get something else. Volunteer and say, I want to help you guys. What, how can I help this department and how can I? That's how you grow. Uh -huh. You can imagine for me from being a typist, having to worked in all these industries, it's made me who I am today. Uh -huh. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I serve on some boards. I'm in leadership in our Rotary Club. Yes. Um, and, and, and all this has happened because of just grabbing every opportunity Never undermine your networks. Uh -huh. Be good, do good to people. Be good to people because uh -huh. people never forget. Uh -huh. There's that saying that my Angela says: people will will will, will remember how you made them feel. What yes, yeah. They won't remember what you told them. They will remember how you made how them you feel. made them feel. Yeah, and 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 just do good. Yeah, be good to people. Show up. Uh -huh. Sometimes we're shy of showing up. 
Yeah. You get an opportunity to show up and you don't show up mm-hmm. because something else has come up. Yet that opportunity that you were supposed to show up for would have led to another opportunity. opportunity. So show up when you can. Yes, indeed. Put on your heels, put on your lippy and yeah. put on your dress and show up. Right. Yeah. And on that excellent uh, piece of advice, um, I will bid you all goodbye. If you would like to get in touch with Betty Olo Anderson, please make sure to follow the social media handles that you see in front of you on the screen. Otherwise, we shall see you next week for another one just like this one. <laughs>